0: Hey everybody, it's good to see you. We're glad you came back to listen to us and to check us out. We've missed you guys, we sure have, and we're looking forward to trying to get back with you. Hey Doug, you got anything you wanna tell them?
1: Well, it is uh, good to be back. We had so much fun doing that last one. We thought, well shoot, let's do it again, because we're still not able to have live shows. Uh, it's kind of neat, though. Oh, by the way, if you want to find out about the live shows, just check our website, all the information's on there. But uh, it's kind of cool because this time, Norman, we've got two new people with us. Uh, Lorette at Blackford and Susan Clements decided to join us on this suspenseful episode
2: yes they get to have some fun with us this week and we're really looking forward to it this is such a fun new format uh, in lieu of being able to get in front of the audience like we love to do and those two you know they're good they're hams they love getting up here with us they're great folks, and we're just really looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll put some tingles down your spine, maybe some goosebumps on your arms with this show that we're about to do for you. So, you guys sit back and relax, close your eyes, remember how it used to be for your grandparents back in their living room, and uh, just enjoy the show. We hope you have a great time. Thanks Bye, for coming. Everybody. Welcome
1: to KCAL Old Time Radio, and this episode of Suspense, called The Hitchhiker, dated September 2nd, 1942. Set back and listen to radio the way it used to be. But before our show, we welcome our favorite crooner, Roger Garrison.
3: <laughs> Don't know why. There's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather since my gal and I ain't together. Keeps raining all the time the time life is bad and misery everywhere stormy weather just can't get my poor self together I'm weary all the time weary all the time when she went away the blues walked in and met me if she stays away this old rocking chair's gonna get me all i do is pray the lord above will let me walk in the sun once more can't go on Since my gal and I ain't together Keeps raining all the time Keeps raining all the time
4: The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you Suspense. Suspense, Columbia's parade of outstanding thrillers produced and directed by William Spire and scored by Bernard Herman, The notable melodramas from stage and screen, fiction and radio presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair and keep you in Suspense. We will get right to our story after this message from our sponsor.
5: Carter's Little Liver Pills, good for curing all your ills. Take one when you eat today and melt your tummy troubles away. Grouchy? Irritable? Sick headache, too? Take Carter's Little Liver Pills and feel good as new. A small pill, a small price, a small dose. A perfect liver pill, sold in quantities of 50 or 100, Made by Carter Medicine Company, New York, New York.
1: Good evening. This is Orson Welles. And very happy to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one. Back with my old friends like Johnny Deitz, who's tonight's director, and Bernard Herman. The Mercury Theater presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as a classic of the medium. Nobody argued that point. A lot of people ask us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. Now, personally, I've never met anybody who didn't like a good ghost story. But I know a lot of people who think there are a lot of people who don't like a good ghost story. For the benefit of these, at least, I go on record at the outset of this evening's entertainment with a sober assurance that uh, although blood may be curdled on this program, none will be spilled. There's no shooting, knifing, throttling, axing, or poisoning here, no clanking chains, no cobwebs, no bony and or hairy hands appearing from secret panels or better yet, bedroom curtains. If it's any part of that dear old phosphorescent foolishness that people who don't like ghost stories don't like, then again, I promise you we haven't got it. Not tonight. What we do have is a thriller, and if it's half as good as we think it is, you can call it a shocker. It's already been called a real horse Welles story, and frankly, I don't know what that means, but... I've been on the air directing and acting in my own shows for quite a while now, and I don't suppose I've done more than a half dozen thrillers in all that time. Honestly, I don't think even that many. But it seems I do have a reputation for the uncanny. Quite possibly a little escapade of mine, involving a, involving a couple of planets which shall be nameless, is responsible. Doesn't really matter. Don't think I disapprove of thrillers, and I don't. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart, it can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want your heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it's hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker.
2: I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me keep from going, going crazy. I got to tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane that it's not me who's gone mad, but something else, something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly at any minute the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on earth, the last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California.
0: Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy.
2: Well, goodbye, mother. here, give me a kiss, then I'll go. I'll come out to the car with you. Oh, no, no, it's raining. Uh, Stay here at the door. (laughs) Hey, what's this, tears? (laughs) I thought you promised me you wouldn't cry.
6: Oh, I know, dear, I'm sorry. But I do hate to see you go.
2: Mother, I'll be back. I'll only be on the coast three months.
6: Oh, it isn't that. It's just the trip. Uh, Ronald, I wish you weren't driving.
2: Oh, Mother, there you go again. Uh, People do it every day.
6: I know, but you'll be careful, won't you? Uh, Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't don't fall asleep or, or drive fast or or pick up any strangers on the road.
2: Gosh, you'd think I was still 17 to hear you talk.
0: <laughs> and, and wire me as soon as you get to Hollywood.
2: Well, of course.
0: Won't you, son?
2: Well, oh, of course I will. And don't worry. Uh, There isn't anything going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every 10 miles or so. I was in fine spirits. The drive ahead of me, even the loneliness seemed like a lark. But I reckoned without him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought probably one of those fast trucks picked him up, beating me to the skyway, and let him off. I didn't stop for him. Then late that night, I saw him again. It was on the Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him. Standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I could see him quite distinctly, the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hallooed at me this time. Hello Hello I stepped on the gas like a shot. It's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides, the coincidences, or whatever it was, gave me the willies. I stopped at the next gas station.
4: Yes, sir? Uh, Fill her up. Oh, certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir. No thanks. Oh, nice night, isn't it?
2: Yes. Uh,
4: it hasn't been raining here recently,
2: has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh?
4: Oh, I suppose that hasn't done your business any harm. Oh, no. Uh, People drive through here in all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this time of year.
2: I suppose not. Uh, What, uh, um, uh, what about hitchhikers? Hitchhikers? Here?
4: What's the matter? Uh, Don't you ever see any? Oh, not much. If we did, it'd be a, a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, well, a guy would be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it.
2: Then you've never seen anybody?
4: No. Maybe they get a lift on before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house back there. Then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars don't want to pick up a guy for that long of a ride, actually. And, you know, it's... Pretty lonesome country out here, mountains and, and woods and all. You ain't seen nobody like that, have you? Oh
2: no, uh, no, uh, not, not at all. I uh, I was just, um, well, uh,
4: a technical question. Oh, oh, I, I see. Well, that'll be a dollar forty-nine with tax.
2: Gradually passed through my mind as sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until. Till just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright and sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio field, brown with the autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light and I was driving slowly, drinking it in. When the road suddenly ended in a detour, in front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat. There was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little, the cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. He looked up. He hailed me. He started to walk forward. No, not just now. Sorry. Going to California? No, no, not not today, the other way. Going to New York, sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt more than ever, unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by, fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. Yeah? What is it? What do you want? Uh, You sell sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we do, in the daytime, but we're all closed up for the night. I know, but I was wondering if uh, you could possibly let me have a cup of coffee, a uh, black coffee.
1: Uh, no, not this time of night, mister. My wife's a cook, and she's in bed.
2: Uh, no, no, don't shut the door, please. Listen, just a minute ago, uh, just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside this stand, a suspicious-looking man. i I don't mean to disturb you. You see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was.
3: Uh, What was he doing? Well, nothing. You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. Now, on your way, before I call Sheriff Folks.
2: I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop, to rest a little... I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. The few resort places there were closed. Only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild wooded landscape. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. But I didn't see him again. I didn't see him until late next afternoon. I stopped the car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by when he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. A perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car, the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I, I stepped on the gas hard, doing the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then something went wrong with the car. It stalled right on the tracks. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing out and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. Now, I knew that he was beckoning me, beckoning me to my death. Well, I frustrated him that time. The starter worked at last. I managed to back up. When the train passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew from that moment on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there, uh, like a ride? Well, what do you
0: think? How far are you going?
2: Uh, where do you want to go?
0: Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee uh mister you mind if i take off my shoes my dogs are killing
2: me uh, you go right ahead
0: oh gee what a break this is like much sure only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the breaks
2: uh, yeah i should think it would be though i'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car if you did you could get places faster than say another person in another car couldn't you yeah.
0: I don't
2: get you. Oh, well, take me, for instance. Suppose I'm driving uh, across the country, say, at a nice steady clip about 45 miles an hour. Couldn't uh, couldn't a girl like you, just standing beside the road, waiting for a lift, beat me to town, or any town, uh, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour?
0: I don't know. What difference does it make?
2: Oh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car.
0: Oh, imagine spending your time in a swell car like this, thinking of things like that.
2: Well, what would you do instead?
0: What would I do if I was a good-looking fellow like yourself? Why, I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and relax, and if I saw a good-looking gal along the side of the road, hey, look
2: out! Uh, did you see him too?
0: See who? Uh,
2: that man standing beside the barbed wire fence.
0: I didn't see anybody. It it was nothing but a bunch of cows and a wire fence. No. What do you think you was doing? Trying to run into that barbed wire fence?
2: Uh, there was a man there, I tell you, a thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand, uh, and I I was trying to run him down.
0: Run him down? You mean kill him?
2: Uh, you say you didn't see him back there? Are you sure?
0: I, I didn't see a soul, and as far as that's concerned, well,
2: I... Uh, watch for him next time. Uh, keep watching. Uh, keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute now. There, look there!
0: Oh! How does this seat work? How? I can't get out. i got, I got to get well, out Did you of here. see him that
2: time? Did you see him? No,
0: I didn't see him that time. Personally, mister, I don't expect to never see him. All I want to do is go on living, and I don't see how I will very long driving with you.
2: Oh, I am sorry. I, I did not. I don't know what came over me. Please don't go.
0: So, if you'll excuse me?
2: Oh, uh, you can't go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California.
0: Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh-uh. Thanks just the same, mister. Uh,
2: l- listen, please. just Just one minute, please.
0: You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend, just a good old dose of sleep. Uh,
2: please.
0: There. I got it now.
2: Oh, you can't go. Please.
0: Leave your hands off me, please. Leave your hands off me, mister.
2: She ran from me as though I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. Tried to figure out what to do, how to get a hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for a few hours along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming towards me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! Hello. Maybe I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out, then and there. For now, he began to be everywhere. Wherever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, a sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was sitting near the drinking fountain of a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was, I was afraid to stop now. I began to drive faster and faster. I was in, in a lunar landscape now the great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me. Still in its same attitude over the cold lifeless ground, flitting over dried up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals flitting in that pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico. There's an auto camp here, cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved. I could get hold of myself.
5: Your call, please.
2: Long distance.
5: Long distance, certainly. This is long distance. I'd
2: like, uh, I'd like to put in a call to my home, to Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. Um, the number is Beechwood two zero eight two eight.
6: Certainly, I'll try to get it for you.
0: Albuquerque. New York for Gallup New York Gallup New Mexico calling Beechwood 20828
2: I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons it was in the middle of the morning I knew mother'd be home I pictured her tall and white haired in her crisp house dress going about her tasks It'd be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice.
5: Will you please deposit three dollars and eighty five cents for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? All right. Deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello. Mrs. Adams' residence.
2: Hello. Hello, mother.
6: This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please?
2: Uh, wh- 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 who's this?
6: This is Mrs. Winnie.
2: Mrs. Winnie? I don't know any Mrs. Winnie. Is this Beechwood 20828? Yes. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs.
6: Adams is not home. She's still in the hospital.
2: Uh, the hospital?
6: Yes. Who is this calling, please? It is. A, is it a member of the family?
2: What's she in
6: the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days now. Nervous breakdown. But who is this calling? Nervous
2: breakdown? Well, my mother never was nervous.
6: It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son,
2: Ronald. Uh, death, of, the death of her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, hey what, what's the, what number is this? This is
6: Beechwood, 20828. It's all been so very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge.
5: Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so,
2: so I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think, trying to get a hold of myself. Otherwise I, I'm going to go crazy. Outside it's night, the vast soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of Mesa. Mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. And so ends The Hitchhiker. We'll
1: be right back after this word from Roma Wine.
5: Roma wines are better than any wine you've ever tasted. Because only Roma, that's R-O-M-A, selects for you from the world's greatest reserves of fine wines. No wonder more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines in the world. There's a delicious Roma wine for every taste and for every occasion. It's perfect for that special event, as a dessert wine or a cocktail time. Roma Wine is America's largest selling wine company. Why? Because it tastes better. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Pick some up today. Roma Wine.
1: Suspense is produced and directed by William Spire. John dites was our guest director this evening. Tonight's radio drama was written by Lucille Fletcher. The original score was by Bernard Herrmann. This is the Columbia Broadcast System. And KCAL is off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed our broadcast tonight. Here on this new way of doing things, we'd like to introduce our cast to you. Tonight, the announcer uh, who also played the attendant, does our sound for us, David Damron. He played Adams, crazy old guy. Here's Norman Klein playing his mother, Mrs. Adams, along with operator Connie McDonald, the storekeeper who also (laughs) sang for us, Roger Garrison, the woman in the car that got picked up and decided she better not stay. That was Denise Klein. Well, another one of our operators, along with uh, taking care of our commercials, Lorette Blackford. And playing an operator in the part of Miss Winnie, however you want to pronounce it, (laughs) is Susan Clements. We appreciate everybody's attendance. We hope you all are safe, and we hope you all are ready to get back out. Again, we'll tell you, please visit our website for all kinds of information, including the latest information on our shows. We are crossing our fingers that we will get to see you in July. So, everybody, what do we do to say goodbye? See you later. Stay tuned.
4: Stay tuned. tuned.